Hi, friends. Welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. In today's podcast, we are going to be talking about community, the people around us, why we need them, why it's hard to find, how to grow community, the things that hold us back from diving into community. Well, to talk about community, we invited a great friend of the Connected Families community to the microphone, Heather McFadgen. Heather is the founder of Don't Mom Alone, a very popular podcast and network of moms. She just released her first book called Don't Mom Alone. Well, the founders of our organization, Jim and Lynn Jackson, have been interviewed on Heather's podcast just a number of times, but we are thrilled that this is the first time we've had Heather with us and we can't wait to introduce her to all of you. And with me today to interview Heather is Jim Jackson. Hi, Jim. Hi, Stacy. Good to be here. So excited. I may be one of the few dads so far who's read Don't Mom Alone, right? Uh-huh. I, I got to read Heather's book. And I'll tell you, I mean, it's it's written to moms, but there's a ton of stuff in there that applies to all parents, all humans for that matter, about God's grace, about community, about dispelling lies with truth. And I'm excited to get Heather's energy, her input, and maybe some insider information about this book and some of the ideas in it. Yeah, it's going to be good. We're thrilled to have her because she's been a longtime friend of Connected Families. So why don't we bring her in? I think we should. I think people can't stand waiting and they need to hear from Heather right now. Heather, so good to see you, hear you. Heather, part of the Connected Families family community. Oh, what an Welcome. honor and a joy. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that y'all have this show and you're helping so many families. I needed this back when my kids were little. So mm. thrilled we're to glad to have you. We're so glad to have you on. You know, you started podcasting way before us. So you got a head start and Jim and Lynn have been on your podcast. We're glad to have you on ours. Why don't, because you're new to our audience, why don't you introduce yourself and your family and your ministry for us? So I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm married to Bruce. We've been married for 20, I don't even know, 22 years. And uh, (laughs) we have four boys. Uh, Their ages range from almost 16 in a couple of weeks to nine. And I have this ministry, Don't Mom Alone, that started the blog back Uh before Facebook was a thing. And then, you know, I'm just following Jesus wherever, whatever's next. Little by little, step by step. Yeah. 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 Whatever's next. I don't usually have a grand master plan. I've met these four children of yours and your husband, and I I can see why maybe you don't have a master plan, because even if you did, I think that it would have to change really quickly based on all of the energy that's going on around you. Tell us a little bit more about this crew and how parenting and being married into this family has affected your journey so far. Yeah. So I grew up in a family of four, but I had way older siblings. My sister was 16 years older than me when I was born. My brother was 11 years older. And then I just had a younger brother. So having four kids within six and a half years, and then also my husband and his family are super high energy, just lots and lots. I mean, expounded and exponential. And so it was quite, (laughs) not quite what I expected when I always wanted to be a mom. I dreamed about being a mom. I had the Cabbage Patch Kids and then each boy kept coming and I felt a little bit more overwhelmed each time, each Mm. time another boy was born. So it's been a journey for me personally of release and surrender of my control and my thinking I can keep up an appearance of having everything together. That got disrupted real quick. 
at what point in the four kids did you start Don't Mom Alone? So I actually used to call it God-centered mom, which is kind of a heavy concept to be the God-centered mom. I mean, that's what people (laughs) would call me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Self-centered. Or I would swing the child-centered. The blog started when I had three young boys, ages like four and under. But then it became the podcast and... So I've had that since 2013 and the don't mom alone concept just kind of came from that because yes, it involves community and other people, but really, and even the first third of this book is about how I needed to do some inner work and relying on God. And it's kind of like your first foundational layer of the connected families framework that had to happen. And so I feel like in order for us to really connect with others, with other moms, mentors, even connect to our husband, we have to do some inner work to just mm. just really do some digging on why am I feeling anxious? Why mm-hmm. is this overwhelming? And where am I not trusting God? So that, yeah. that's been my journey is like, how do I not make this all about my kids or all about me and my comfort? But God, what are you doing? And how are you empowering me to do this task, which really motherhood is a tiny piece of my overall journey as a human on this planet? So that's my story. So Heather, I get the sense, having heard your story told in a few different ways over the years, that you really did feel alone in your struggle. Like if, if I gave you a 10 scale where zero is, I just felt alone and isolated and misunderstood all the time. Like nobody, nobody got the unique craziness of my world. And where 10 is, I mean, yeah, I'm a parent, we struggle, but, but it's, it's going to be okay. I mean, when we first met you, I'd say you were fairly low on that 10 scale. I think that a lot of it too is in order to be vulnerable, you have to reveal a little bit of that insecurity and that limitedness. And I hadn't even come to grips with I was limited. I figured, well, I'm just missing some formula or there must be some advice or somebody, everybody else has it figured out. If I let them know that I don't know what I'm doing, it's going to blow up my whole cover. And so I'm trying to hold everything together get all the kids to behave and keep up the appearance of having it, you know, doing it right, being perfect. And I'm the God-centered mom. So (laughs) the pressure's on spiritually, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and then behind the scenes, I'm flipping out and angry and, and am isolated. I mean, I'm not sharing those hard things with friends when you're not sharing those hard things, even if you're physically in the presence of other people can feel alone. So you've alluded to this already, even as we're talking here, but could you get super concrete about two or three things that you did to go from feeling really alone to less alone? A lot of my personal journey in this involves some really deep inner healing prayer that I've done with friends, some recognition of the power of the Holy Spirit that I was denying, and honestly, just a release of I am not worthy or made right because of my kids' behavior. They can be their own individuals Mm -hmm. and I can be my own individual and they can make a mistake and it doesn't necessarily mean that I am wrong. So uh, I had to do some separating, some release of that codependency, and then also just do some inner work with God where he got to tell me who I am and I got to release a lot of fear because really my anger and that frustration was rooted in a fear, a fear of failing, a fear of losing other people's approval, um, just a le- legitimate fear that they would get hurt, harmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have four boys running in all different directions, like someone's going to get hurt real bad. <laughs> yeah. And then your kids actually do break their arms or do something. You're like, okay, well, we, you know, they broke their arm. And yeah. that's what happens. And it heals. So, yeah, I think um, a lot of it was me getting inner 
healing work done. We went through a 12 step recovery process with our small group that was done in community where I'm hearing other people's struggles and I'm identifying with that. I think age and maturity is always super helpful and the kids growing up Mm -hmm. and taking ownership of themselves is always helpful. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the concrete things for me. I really love that because what you said is what we teach all the time. It starts with us. It starts with the parents looking inward and asking what's going on in me. But I have to ask Heather, because I know that, you know, even in community, our kids' behavior affects the crowd. (laughs) And so even if we've done our inner work, like that can still be a struggle. I know that this is what your book is about. So how did that play out in your community? So I, with my oldest, I was the one who would host the play groups. We'd have all the little babies lined up and all the moms on the couch. And that was stressful in a different way because moms were kind of figuring it out for themselves. And so you felt a little bit of pressure when a mom would say, oh, I never give my child a pacifier and your baby's (laughs) sucking happily on his little pacifier right next to you. And you're like, (laughs) I'm the worst. Uh Or, oh, I never let my child cry it out. Or, oh, formula is terrible. And you, you know, you have a can in your closet or pantry. So that was stressful in a different way where I was like, oh, I can't really be real with these moms, but it's just a baby lying there. Maybe he would cry. Maybe he'd spit up on me. That was a few embarrassing moments of spit up or poop explosions at church or things like that. But it wasn't behavior. It was bodily functions and recognizing I have no control over my child. Then it was like escalating and we would be at playdates and I'd have three children all doing different wrong things at the same time. And I'm trying to have a conversation with a mom and I am since my sensory system, I'm a highly sensitive parent. It's overwhelmed because I am cluing into all of the things happening at the same time. I can't finish a conversation. I'm feeling judged about, you know, when a mom's like, Hey, did you know your son just took off his pants in the front yard and is peeing on the neighbor's (laughs) lawn? Or did you see how he picked up? I was at a park once and mom was like, is that your son riding that stick? And I was like, you mean like a horse? Like he's pretending it's a horse. She's like, well, he could hit someone. I'm like, is he hitting oh someone? Oh my goodness. Is he hitting someone? Because if he's not, let him ride the horse. That's but right. it was like constant feedback from other people on where they're messing up and not being able to really connect to anyone. And so I was like, forget it. I'm going to hang out with moms, not with my kids. So that's when I started like just choosing to go out to dinner with a mom or hang out on a Saturday and have Bruce stay home with the kids. And then it became, we were just, Bruce was working a ton. He would maybe get two hours of sleep at night and we just kind of pulled away from community altogether. It was way too much to have four young children and his job be demanding. And I'm just like, I have nothing to give because I'm kind of taking a heavier load with the kids and he has nothing to give when he finally has, is not working. Mm. And so I knew our church had a Wednesday night dinner where people could go and you could bring your family and it was super cheap and it would be an easy way to connect with other friends from church. I did not attempt to go to that. That was way too overwhelming because mm. one time I tried to go, I got all the food. I, I, you know, got everyone settled. And then my kids started popping up like, and were running around the church building, chasing other kids. And I was like, this is miserable. Now they're being horrible in front of the whole church. This is oh, everyone sees. Any- yes. And I'm not connecting with anyone. This mm-hmm. is miserable. Mm, so yeah. it took a really long time to even re-enter being with our kids, with other people. You were living in what we talk about here in the sort of space of I'm not okay because my kids are struggling. 
And you talked earlier about this dynamic of figuring out that you can be okay, even when your kids are not okay. And Mm -hmm. we're going to take a little break right now, but then we're going to come back and unpack what were some profound things you learned and did that helped you figure out that truth. I can be okay, even when my kids are struggling. Do you remember what you thought parenting would be like? Full of laughter, fun, and cute memory-making moments, and yet, here you are, struggling with disobedience, misbehavior, disrespect. It can leave you feeling overwhelmed and discouraged. Raising kids in today's culture is harder than ever. Despite the vast array of resources and methods available, finding one that offers lasting solutions can be challenging. The discipline that connects with your child's heart online course stops that search. Our online course is made up of eight 30 minute pre recorded sessions that can be completed on your schedule. The fall 2021 session begins on October 7th. Visit our website, connectedfamilies.org, to learn more. Well, coming out of the break here, Heather, we just heard a commercial for the Discipline That Connects online course. And I know you've been a huge supporter of that course, I think for a reason, not not just that you can earn a few side dollars from it, but because (laughs) you've told us that it's had some impact. Tell us about the role of, of that course in your journey, especially as it relates to this idea of sort of learning to embrace this truth that I can be okay, even when my kids are not. I, uh, Definitely think, you know, hitting the wall of that time I just described before the break of just getting to the end of myself. I literally had a panic attack in a drive through fried chicken place. It wasn't Chick-fil-A. And <laughs> I saw a therapist because I just felt so out of control. And it was that I was trying to do it all myself and feeling that codependency. I'm not okay if they're not okay. Like I can't be happy if they're not happy. And keeping kids happy is a really bad job. Like that's an impossible job. Yeah. You can't make other people happy. And if that's your measure of success, you're going to fail over and over again. And it was, it was my measure of success is everyone being happy. And so when I found y'all, it was, I really feel like, and this is why I was saying earlier, I wish I had this podcast when my kids were little, I didn't feel like there was a resource out there that seemed to resonate with my values and how I wanted to interact with my kids. It felt like, uh, wow, they better do what I say. When I say it was like the five things on my hand. It's literally what our school would teach is you need to do it right away, happy way. Like the obedience thing felt the most important part of parenting. I am, I'm a successful parent. If my kids are obedient and they Mm. weren't, (laughs) So then I'm failing. And if you see that they're not obedient, then you are judging me that I'm failing. And so when I found y'all and it was this process of working on my own heart, which I knew I needed work to do. And I was already, God was already working on my anger and the fear, like I'd mentioned. And then it was just this moving up that pyramid felt more empowering to me. Like, oh yes, these are really strong kids who are going to be great leaders one day. But parenting them right now is a beast. But if I can guide them <laughs> and they can be who they are, literally the first chapter of my book is let him be a jerk because I love of- that title. 
because I was at the Arboretum, which is near here. And I ran into a British woman from our church and she was trying to help me out in my little two kids song and dance of trying to keep everybody happy. And she offered help. And I kind of said, no, I'm fine, which moms are never fine, but they won't accept the help. And then she said, does the toddler have a snack? And I was like, oh, a snack. Yeah, he's hungry. That's a good idea. So she gets in my diaper bag. She gets out a snack. She offers it to him and he refuses, rudely refuses, like, no. (laughs) And I'm horrified. Again, it's that I can be okay when my kids are not okay. But I couldn't then. I was was awful. This two-year-old was horribly rude to a British woman, no less. And I started making all the apologies. And this is what we do when our teenager makes a mistake when our middle schooler sends a bad picture via text when you know whatever put in your thing that has completely embarrassed you as a parent and right then it was a toddler rejecting a snack from a british woman i said he's teething i said he needs a nap i said it's hot outside i all the excuses he has a new baby brother she looks at me dead in the eyes and she says why as mothers do we feel like we need to apologize for our children if he wants to be a jerk let him be a jerk and I was like, oh, I'm such a bad mom. I don't let him be a jerk. Like then it's like another extreme of where I'm failing. Like I'm not letting him be a jerk. But I felt like connected families, discipline that connects is all about embracing my humanity, my limitedness, my sinfulness, and then also recognizing they are still limited and totally depraved mm-hmm. and they're going to make mistakes. And my role is not to raise a perfect person right now. It is to guide and to shape them, to take responsibility, to take their gifts and their talents and to craft them to be their best version, but not like an idol because that's where we can get messed up. Oh, it just got really deep in here and we've only got just a few minutes left, Stacey, making idols out of our children. It's not crafting to create an idol. It's a sacrifice and an offering. Yeah. And you might just know that you're making an idol out of your child if when your child misbehaves, you do the apology. Because now I'm getting my value, my worth, my sense of well-being from what's happening with my child, not from releasing them to have happen what's going on with them and face the natural or logical or what we call natural impacts here, connected families. Like, yeah, you did a thing. Here's what happens. I'm going to help you learn. Well, Heather, there's an idea that you revisit in every chapter of your book. And I want you to talk about this a little bit. You talk about this idea of isolating ideas that parents, that moms have that tend to keep them away from community and isolated, even when they're with people. I mean, you've described this feeling of of isolation, even in groups, but these isolating ideas, you've got one per chapter in your book. And I'm guessing there's a couple that stand out to you. Could you sort of take us through this concept of what an isolating idea is and and unpack a couple of those that were that were profound for you both in the discovery of them and then in the being set free from this isolating idea. There's a lot, right? No, it's great. I was thinking through when I was writing this book, I was thinking, what keeps me from wanting to interact with other people? What keeps me from being in the presence of people, but not really sharing myself? And so I kind of worked through several of those and I've really woven them kind of into all of these. So the very first one is the one we were just talking about. I, the idea, the isolating idea is I am fully responsible for my child's outcome. But the truth is I'm important, but not essential in God's plan. And we've kind of talked that through, like I can be separated from that. And the very last section of the book, I lean into, if we really want to be this 
quote unquote good mom, the mom we want to be, it requires being connected to our child. And so I really lean hard into the connected family stuff in the 10th chapter of the isolating idea of, I don't know how to get my kids to obey. And it's that connecting truth is I can connect with my kids while shaping their behavior. We can do both. So we've kind of covered those isolating ideas. I would say that I have to figure out motherhood on my own is something that I think a lot of moms are like, oh, I've got to get this all figured out and then present myself to another mom with everything all sorted out. And this is a huge job that we've never done before. And I found so much freedom. I was just with a group of moms and our sons, and it was so nice to be with these moms and allow other moms to parent my child, especially in this stage of preteen and teen where your voice is like, the peanuts, (laughs) to have another mom come in and invite them in. Or I was sharing with y'all, like one of the moms that I kind of, we pulled away from community because I felt judged or like our boys were getting critiqued by this mom. We were just with her and one of my boys was acting a fool and being sassy. And I responded calmly and she looked at me. She said, you're doing such a great job. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And I thought I normally would have just not shown up to the invitation to hang out as families because Mm -hmm. of that sassy behavior. And now because I can, you know, recognize I don't have to have it all figured out. My kids don't have to be perfect. I can bring them into this situation. I get to have fun with my friends. Our boys get to experience relationships with other adults who can speak into their lives and kind of help shape them. And I get encouragement in those hard moments instead of having to deal with the hard by myself. Yeah, Yeah. this is a hard idea for parents. I remember talking with a parent some years ago who was struggling with a a similar description of family, children as you've got. And, And I said to him, I said, you know, when do you share your kids with the body of Christ? And he said, well, I mean, we, I talk about it at my men's group and they pray for them. And my wife at her woman's group, you know, they pray for them. And then sometimes we drop them off at my parents' house and they take care of them. And I said, okay, but what about sharing your kids with the body of Christ? When do you do that? And it's this isolating idea. We couldn't do that. That's too much of a burden. And, it, and it, then that compels me to reflect on a day where I, we were with a family, kids and all of us together doing life together. And one of our kids acted up quite profoundly (laughs) in front of everybody in defiance to me, actually in opposition to me. Yeah. And, and the mom of the other family looked him in the eye and put her hands on his shoulders and said, it is never okay to talk to your parents like that. Do you understand that? Do you know what this man has given in order for you to even be here today? And you talk to him like that? Wow. I think you can do better. And it it was like, I'm not sure he ever talked to me like that again. Uh, Certainly not with other people around, (laughs) but uh, we need each other, don't we? How did you do this thinking? Because this is kind of a a rare thing. And I think it's really important. And I'd love to dig in and understand it as much as we can in a short amount of time. You made a decision and got some other people to make it with you to share your families in a manner of speaking. How did that happen? I honestly think when I, when I think about it, because maybe I should have included this in the book, but I'm processing it is there was a family and we're in small group with them now. And I remember them inviting us over for dinner and the house wasn't all put together. And it wasn't like this meal that was all put together, but they invited us and they had four kids and their kids were running all over. And it was just kind of chaos, but it was like, okay to be chaotic. And they were okay with my son, I think threw up in their master bathroom or something like (laughs) mess. Like we didn't act perfectly. We didn't act like we had it all together. And that, 
blew my mind of, oh, okay, we were invited. Very few people want to invite four boys over, but we were invited. They were okay with it. It was fantastic. And I want to do that more on a little bit more of that. And so we have a few other family friends that we've started, you know, and, and I really do think when we went through that 12 step and you're just seeing everyone's mess. And I really think like the more I interact with women, they let me in to these thoughts, these, maybe it's an unbelief about who God is. Maybe it's an unbelief about who they are, that a wrong belief held belief that it is holding us back from so much the good that God has for us. Of course, the enemy wants us to stay stuck. And I interviewed Dr. Kurt Thompson. If any of y'all ever want to check him out, he talks about shame and how we disrupt shame in community when we are reminded by other people that they're going to come after us. And it's like God coming after Adam and Eve in the garden. They were hiding. Mm. They were trying in their own attempts to cover themselves up with fig leaves. And he, he found them. Jesus came from heaven. God sent him and he found us in our shame and he took the shame on himself. And I think when we meet with others and whatever shame of unworthiness because of our kids' behavior or unworthiness because of our own past or insecurities about being a good parent, because maybe we didn't have parents we want to emulate, that our friends can look at us and say, I'm here. I see you. I'm coming for you. I will support you. And just even that body memory of what that feels like to be sought after in the hard is so healing and helps us kind of not be ashamed or embarrassed, but to bring it to our people. I love that, Heather. That's really, really good. And it strikes me that that takes a lot of courage. But once we've done the work that you described in the beginning, the going inward and what's going on in me, probably identifying some of that shame, which you call in your book, isolating ideas. Yeah. Then you can really move out into courage and step out and maybe go to that church dinner that you were talking about and being okay with how your kids act. And like, here we are. Yes. I've since gone back. I set ground rules. Our family is not going to run around the church. Mother kids could, but our family's Mm -hmm. not. And we're going to go and I'm, I'm going to choose to sit with my friends and I'm going to talk to my friends and you can sit in with your friends and we don't all have to sit together as a family, but Mm -hmm. we're not going to run around. I can still set a boundary of what's expected. I love it. We're out of time now, Heather. I know we could talk for three hours, the three of us about all of this stuff. And so thankful that you came. Tell everyone where they can get your book. So if you go to domamalone.com forward slash book, there's a whole setup there right now. You can read the first chapter. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but book comes out October 12th. And it has links to all the places you can buy it. Get yeah. your book, everybody. Don't mom alone book. Heather's first book. Heather, we're so grateful for you and for your partnership. Yes, we are. With Connected Families. Thanks for coming on to the podcast today and sharing your heart and your life, which you do every day in your ministry. So thanks so much for that. I'm honored. So good to talk with you guys. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you learned tips that encouraged you to parent with peace and connection. Do you have a parenting testimony to share? Please leave it in the comments. We would love to hear it. Well, this is a big month for us here at Connected Families. We are opening up the Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart online course. It only happens twice a year. For all of the information on the course and everything mentioned in this podcast, go to our show notes. And for more information about Connected Families, go to connectedfamilies.org. See you next time.